Hello, and welcome to the DMN one-on-one podcast. Today, we have a special edition podcast all about politics, sponsored by Fluent. Fluent is the only advertising technology company in the country that has been polling the American public about the election on a weekly basis. Check out the latest results at fluentpoliticalpulse.com. And now, the podcast. My name is uh, Alex Neely with DMN. This is a special edition politics one-on-one podcast. We're here with principal of Clarify Agency, Will Bennett. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So for those that don't know, you were a senior email writer and producer for Obama uh, for America from March 2008 to March 2009. If you could tell me a little bit about that experience. Oh, sure. I mean, that was... uh... That was just an amazing experience, obviously obviously a historic election to work on. Uh, I was in the headquarters that whole time um, on the the national email team. My focus was particularly on uh, rapid response and kind of pushing back against a lot of the the online rumors and smears. But I also did a lot of uh, writing and producing and strategy for – uh, fundraising and, and volunteer organizing and, and things like that. Now, in that year, how did you go about crafting some of the emails? What were some of the goals that you guys had in mind? Well, I mean, certainly in politics, it's you're always interested in raising money, so that that was uh, one of our one of our biggest goals. Um, I think what set that campaign uh, apart from a lot of its predecessors in addition to, to the money raised, was, um, you know, the focus on empowering voters and really kind of, you know, how much control of the campaign and the campaign's message can you can you give to supporters, um, you know, letting them organize for themselves, um, you know, letting them, um, you know, really take the lead in their communities and, and how, how could we use technology to enable that. Um, in contrast to some of the trends I've seen in the industry since that time, I think we also had a really strong focus um, on uh, really respecting the list and, and trying to talk to supporters uh, as real people and, and get them bought into a bigger vision and and, and obviously also using that buy-in uh, to raise money and get volunteers and all the things we wanted. But to, to really, I guess, make sure that we were offering good value to, to people to be a part of this. Now, in respect to the current political season, uh, with everything you just said, how do you feel the current presidential candidates are doing, and what do you see from them uh, in terms of email marketing and in terms of putting out their messages? Yeah, I think the Clinton campaign uh, is doing a, a great professional bang-up job. Um, they're taking advantage of a lot of the good knowledge that's out there these days after, uh, you know, years and years of accumulated test results. And, and um, you know, they have concise, well-written messages that observe a lot of these best practices we have in politics about, uh, you know, how precise ways to formulate an ask amount when you're, when you're asking somebody to make a donation, all that kind of thing. Um, on the Trump side, uh, it, it hasn't seemed uh, quite as professional. I'll say they they they've made a lot of progress since he launched. When, when I think they basically didn't really have an operation 
Um, you know, since then their emails have gotten a lot better. They have, um, you know, they they work towards a goal, a fundraising goal, for example. That's kind of you know that's something I look for a lot of the time when I'm trying to say, okay, did somebody write a good email or are they running a good email program? And you know, a lot of the way I measure that is. You know, are they, do the emails kind of tell a common story? Do they make sense from message to message? Do they come together? And, um, and they've gotten better at that on the Trump side with, uh, you know, setting fundraising goals for, uh, for the debates, for example. They did that a number of times over email. And that's, you know, that's a lot better than, than they had been doing uh, when Trump announced. But, you know, I have one major critique of the way Trump has, uh, has handled his email list, and that's um, when that Entertainment Tonight video came out, um, where he was talking about the sexual assault uh, in the bus with the, with the reporter, and that was really that story came to really dominate. You know, everything you were hearing about the campaign, even though there was a debate coming up, all anybody was talking about was this video, and you know, you had Republicans, down ticket Republicans, you know, jumping ship on him and. And it was this major, major watershed moment, and uh, and they didn't they didn't adjust to their email uh, schedule at all on the Trump side, from what I could tell. They sent out a number of messages that Saturday. Uh, the video came out on Friday. They sent out a number of messages on that Saturday that were just kind of the usual humdrum. You know, we're preparing for this debate. Help us reach our fundraising goal. And. They could have raised so much more money uh, during that key moment had they, you know, hit pause on that existing schedule and and said, you know, look, how can we customize our messaging around this and and say, you know, whatever the campaign's points were going to be about, you know, this is the liberal media's biggest attack on us yet or or whatever they want to say. Um, and that was something in 2008. We saw those big moments were really were really what drove a huge percentage of the fundraising. Um, and that seemed like a big moment that they really missed on email on the Trump side. One of the other criticisms about the political season or the presidential campaign season has been how contentious it's been. Uh, on your end and in, in your experience, how do you balance uh, the negatives, uh, marketing the negatives of your opponent and the positives of yourself or the positives of the candidate? Yeah, I mean, digital in this way, I, I think is really just kind of an extension of a traditional campaign technique for that, which is um, you try to balance that by having your candidate, him or herself, you know, the, the public figurehead of the whole operation, or really more than a figurehead, um, you try to have that person focus on the positive. You know, here's what I'm going to do to help people. Here's what I aspire to. You know, here's how I... I want people to get involved with me, all that kind of thing. Uh, and then you try to have other messengers like, uh, you know, the campaign manager or, you know, if you're running for president and, um, you know, a member of Congress is going out and, and campaigning on your behalf in their home state, you know, those other kind of messengers, those are the ones you typically ask to deliver the negative message. So, so that way, hopefully, you know, nobody nobody likes to hear a negative message. Obviously, you've got to hear it sometime, uh, and that's how you can kind of inoculate uh, your your candidate or your your main brand from from the negative damage from that. 
and you know, on digital, email, social, um, you know, it's just the same technique. You you have various signers for your emails, and you send out hopeful messages from uh, you know, signed by your by your candidate, and you send out you know your negative hits uh, signed by the campaign manager or one of these surrogates. So, in looking at these two candidates now, how would you try to align their po- the policies they have with the politicians uh, in the public's eye? Can you clarify what you mean? Sure. So, you had written previously about uh, the big picture strategy uh, in mm-hmm. some of your articles, uh, and how would you, looking at these two candidates, how would you apply that strategy to these two candidates? The big picture strategy. Um, I, I mean, you know, on, on the Clinton side, I think she's doing a great job of, of developing a big picture strategy and and sticking with it. Uh, her her social media, uh, her emails, um, you know, in particular, a lot of the digital videos they're producing, um, you know, a lot of it tells a really consistent story, um, and it's you know designed to reach. Specific audiences that you know they've they've uh, done in their research they've they've figured out these are going to be the key audiences. You know they have um, they have really well thought out techniques like the way they do their videos with these side titles rather than subtitles that you know make it look like the text is really meant to be a part of the video and then you can have uh, obviously it's easy to translate that text into other languages if you're trying to reach uh, Latino voters or something like this. Um, you know, so so it really, on their side, it, it feels to me, just from what I observe, uh, it feels to me like, you know, really kind of a nice uh, symphony where, uh, where every instrument is playing its part, you know, towards building some larger whole. Uh, on the Trump side, the, the big picture strategy, um, you know, seems to me like, I'm I'm not confident they have a big picture strategy. I'll, I'll put it that way. I, I think they, um, you know, I, I think he's done a good job of creating a really strong sort of niche brand, like a brand that that stands out well with you know a defined audience. Um, but they really need to expand that audience, and and you know in, in politics, obviously it's. You know, it's nice to capture a guaranteed uh, amount of market share, but uh, if you don't have 50% plus one of your market share, then you're dead. And uh, and they they needed to expand uh, that Trump brand to to sort of um, to get that that share of market share that that they needed. And um, I haven't really seen much on digital that's been meant to do that. It seems like a lot of what they've been doing has just been. You know, targeted at a lot of these kind of base voters that, that form the core loyalists for him. Now you mentioned audience a few times. Uh, in your experience, what goes into marketing towards certain demographics or certain audiences? What are con- some of the consider- certain considerations that you guys make? Well, you know, it, we've got different tools for different audiences, I guess. So, you, you know, you've got email, which is great for trying to reach, you know, your base. It's great for trying to reach people that are so enthusiastic about you that they're, you know, willing to add, you know, more clutter to their inbox uh, to hear more from you. Um, and so, you know, it's obviously an important audience to, to pay attention to. 
but you know you shouldn't mistake that for um, speaking to some of the other key audiences you'd be concerned with, such as um, you know persuadable voters or um, maybe voters who you think will support you but are unlikely to turn out and vote. You know, so you've got to you've got to be calling your get out the vote or GOTV targets. Um, you know, so for those other channels, uh, paid digital is is really crucial and. Uh, of course, on on paid digital, there's a million ways to slice and dice um, your your audience segments. Um, one of the one of the really neat features that's emerged in the last few years, I, I guess I would say this started about 2012 in politics, um, is the the data matching. Because in politics, you know, everybody when you're when you're trying to build that 50% plus one electoral majority. Everybody's working off a voter file. You have a list of all the registered voters. You know the secretaries of state in each state compile this. Uh, you know each side enriches that basic voter file with uh, whatever other information they have about uh, you know how often somebody votes or you know what zip code they live in or you know some people even append uh, sort of other interest info about you know magazines they subscribe to and that kind of thing. Um, and you end up, you know, in a, in a good campaign that's, you know, got sufficient scale, you end up with a really rich set of data to work off of. Um, and you know, you know, okay, well, Will Bonnet lives at, you know, such and such an address, um, and he, you know, has voted in only two of the last four elections, and, you know, we're going to send a volunteer to knock at his door and make sure he votes. And we're also going to make sure that, you know, he sees our ad on Facebook 15 times. Um, and and that kind of uh, having that data pool and, and having this ability to match, um, you know, match uh, supporter records to, say, Facebook account records, you get really high match rates there, 70 80% now. That's gone up a lot recently. Um, you, know, you can also do cookie matches, which are a little bit less precise, um, but there's there's just there's a ton of tools these days on that side. It's pretty exciting. Now, with a lot of this is a campaign season that's had a fair amount of external events. Uh, how do you what goes into preparing uh, an email or preparing a campaign when an external event happens or when one occurs? Well, I mean, obviously they're hard to plan for. So, like uh, lots of things that you know may surprise you, the best remedy is just to kind of generally be prepared and be on top of uh, be on top of what you're doing, so it's as easy as possible to pivot. Um, but I'll tell the story of uh, in 2008, our um, by far our most uh, successful fundraising email that, that we sent the entire race was an email that we never planned to send. Um, it was when Sarah Palin uh, accepted the vice presidential nomination at the Republican convention, uh, you know, live primetime TV. And uh, I don't know if you remember, but that speech was, uh, it was electrifying. Uh, and I say that as, you know, a, a Democrat who was, uh, who was actively working to defeat her. But it was this really electrifying speech. It was, um, you know, she she just came out really confident. She had this really tight message about, 
you know, hockey moms and um, and average folks, you know, sticking it to those Democrats. And, and I think they really kind of targeted uh, community organizers in that speech, which was uh, at that time that was a more significant uh, piece of uh, uh, President Obama's resume was his time as a community organizer in Chicago. So they, you know, they came out on the attack. It was really confident. It was, uh, you know, it felt really targeted, you know, to us, to our supporters, um, and it electrified the convention hall. You know, all these Republican delegates and whatnot were, were just going nuts on TV. And uh, and the email team, we had all, you know, we had all basically clocked out for the night, and we all just kind of as a group. Uh, we went, you know, downstairs from the office building where we were, and we went across the street to get hamburgers at a place that would put the put the convention on TV with the sound on. Uh, and we were just kind of sitting there watching it, eating, eating our hamburgers, and going, "Oh my God, this is, you know, this is so intimidating. This is so crazy." Um, and we realized that if we were thinking that, then you know, all these diehard Obama supporters that were on the email list. You know, a lot of them had to be watching this on TV, and a lot of them had to be thinking the same thing. So we kind of raced back upstairs and wrote an email uh, and had it out, you know, as quickly as we had anything out. I think within, you know, an hour or something, uh, we had it out. And and this was, you know, in 2008, this was before everybody was opening emails on mobile devices. So it was, you know, the orthodoxy about send times and sending your emails in the morning. You know, it was a little bit stronger at that time, but we're, you know, we just knew we had to send it right away. So we sent it at uh, nine or ten, I think, Chicago time, where we were, and um, and it really hit a nerve, and it just it blew the doors off. It was, you know, we raised so much more from that message, just because it was so timely with this kind of, um, you know, this event that was external to to our campaign. You know, we didn't have that on our calendar, um, but it just it turned into this huge thing. What was in that email exactly? Uh, that email was pretty basic, but it just it addressed the, the speech directly. You know, it said, um, you know, look, she just saw Sarah Palin on TV. You know, she attacked Barack. She attacked, uh, you know, Joe Biden, and she attacked you. Basically, she, you know, she attacked all Democrats, and um, you know, we're, we're, you know, we need to respond or something. You know, that's why. Give uh, you know, donate a few bucks today. Um, it was a pretty short email, uh, as these things go, um, but it was just uh, it, it just hooked directly into that content from from that speech. Now we have less than two weeks uh, until the until election day. Do you think there's anything the candidates can do at this point to proactively change voters' minds? Change voters' minds. Um, Probably not. There, there's um, obviously more you can always do to change minds negatively uh, than positively. The, the positive case tends to be, you know, built up much more gradually over time. But really, all, all it takes is, you know, one videotape from your past to uh, to potentially change minds on the on the negative front. Um, I, I would say at this point it's a lot more about uh, well it's this GOTV or get out the vote phase that, that's what the campaigns think that are in now and that's 
it's just a matter of making sure you get as many of your supporters to the polls as possible. I, I think that's really what the campaigns are probably focused on right now. Okay. I'd like to highlight a little bit of, of what Clarify Agency has been doing over the past year. Uh, if you want to talk about what you guys have been doing during the political season. Oh, sure. So we're uh, we're working on some campaigns. We're doing some uh, some digital ads for um, for some independent expenditure committees, um, and we're working with some uh, advocacy groups to sort of, uh, I guess, in the commercial world, you'd call it lead generation. Um, you know, get people onto their list who are who are going to be uh, a good you know, good active members. Um, We've been doing that for campaigns, independent expenditures, um, advocacy groups, and, and also some commercial clients. We've worked with um, We've done in particular a lot of Facebook lead generation ads for, for some startups. Um, but really, uh, uh, you know, what excites us the most is, is being able to just kind of take any of these digital best practices. We know a lot of them. Um, and, and just helping people apply those in a way that's going to be really consistent with their brand and, and with what they're trying to do and, and be tailored to them. Um, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of, especially in politics, kind of cookie cutter email strategies or cookie cutter list building strategies out there that, you know, if, if these political folks were doing more to measure their brands, I think they'd find a lot of it's doing more harm than good. Um, so, you know, we really try to, to leverage that, um, you know, what's good about a brand, what, you know, what builds some value into this brand. And, and when we ask for something, uh, you know, we're not destroying it to, to get some value. Well, thank you very much, sir. I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me. It's uh, been great to chat with you. Again, this was a special edition one-on-one -on -one podcast brought to you by Fluent. Fluent is the only advertising technology company in the country that has been polling the American public about the election on a weekly basis. Check out the latest results at FluentPoliticalPulse.com. And now, the podcast.